Good morning. Welcome to Southridge. Good to see each and every one of you. I hope you're having a great week. It is just awesome to be together on this Sunday morning. Take your Bible, if you would, Ecclesiastes chapter number three. Ecclesiastes is this uh, interesting book, isn't it? It's a book written by what I would call the wise fool. Here's a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon gives his heart to pursue whatever he wants. Now, what often happens is when it comes to pursuit, whatever we want, most of us are limited in our pursuits to maybe time, finances, or authority. But King Solomon didn't have any of those constraints. King Solomon had all the money he needed. He had all the time he wanted. And he had all the authority because he was king to pursue whatever his heart desired. And so King Solomon pursued these things. And he wrote a book about his pursuits. And that book is entitled the book of Ecclesiastes. And what King Solomon does back in that time, we said there wasn't social media or news or things like that that we have today. So he is called the preacher. He opens up the book by saying, the preacher means proclaimer, the herald, and he says, and he basically tells everybody about all the things he gave his heart to. He kind of just spills all and tells it all, and the people gather, and so that's where we get this book, Ecclesiastes, and for the last several weeks, we've been looking at the soul and our souls and how our souls are doing. The soul is the important part of it. It's that center part of us. We said last week that we heard in the presidential election, people said, we're fighting for the soul of America, and what are they talking about? They're talking about that central core of their being. Uh, this morning, we're talking about our souls, what the truth behind what makes us tick, why we do the things that we do, why certain things in the world are happening, and it comes back to our soul, and we're asking ourselves the question, how is our soul doing? It's a unique question. It's not something we just kind of randomly walk up to somebody and say, hey, how's your soul? Most people, that's, that's not how we start off the conversation, but you can tell if somebody's soul is doing well when they're upset, when they're angry, or when they do something that would be um, uncharacteristic of them. Certain people that are always up, when you see them down, you're like, something's going on with their soul. Or when you see somebody that's always down, they're actually up. You're like, what's going on with their soul? And uh, maybe you're one or the other. And so we're, we're constantly gauging how the, our health of our soul is doing. Well, we've come to chapter three. We started off by talking about that our soul needs goals. And then we came into week number two, where we said there's an antidote to anxiety. And I know you've been here for every week because you just love the word. And so you've been here every week. And so now we're in week number three. And week number three, we're talking about the seasons of the soul, the seasons of the soul. But as we dive in, before we get in there, do you know anybody who's just loud? Say, what do you mean loud? I mean, they're just loud. I mean, they like to be loud. They talk loud. Life is loud. Everything they do is kind of loud. They even dress loud. You ever met one of those people? Yeah, there's a few, a few of us that we know the people. Are you sitting next to that loud person this morning? Some of you are like, uh, yeah, I'm sitting next to that loud person. And that's okay. I actually like loud people. I tend to be somewhat loud, and uh, I have an excuse for my loudness, okay? I got an excuse. I have a really bad hearing problem, and it actually works for me most of the time, okay? If I um, sleep on my 
my left side and cover my left ear, I can't hear anything. It's beautiful. It's great. Cain can be screaming. My house can be robbed. I'm sleeping great, okay? And my wife knows this. She's like, don't sleep on your left side. You can't hear me when I'm talking to you. You know, I want to get hit with a pillow or something. And so, um, but I talk loud because I, I don't hear how loud I'm talking. So I'll be in a restaurant and I'll be talking to Jane. I'll be pouring my heart to her. I'll be telling her how much I love her and all this. And I'm just going off on how beautiful and gorgeous she is. She's like, can you keep it down a little bit? I was like, are you ashamed of our love? I'm, I'm just getting back into it even more. And she's like, no, you're just so loud. The whole restaurant knows how much you love me and everything. And so it's just one of those loud things. And I've noticed though, I've noticed this. Noise has become normal in our lives. You say, what do you mean noise is normal? How many of you sleep at night with a fan on? I'm just curious. There's a lot of us. Why is it? Do we necessarily like the cool breeze or is it we just like that constant noise? Something about it just helps us sleep. You see, for us, noise is normal. We're just kind of used to noise. If, if you leave the city and you go camping or you go somewhere where it's just kind of quiet, all of a sudden, the quietness kind of wakes you up at night. You're like, what is it? It's just so quiet. It's almost creepy. It's almost like, where are we? You know, it's just so quiet. And we almost get uncomfortable with the quietness, don't we? It's because our soul isn't used to solitude. Our soul really isn't. And sometimes it scares us because there's actually peace. There's actually quiet. Our soul is finding this solitude. And I'm finding that my soul is always just kind of my life and everything about it is just kind of noisy. What happens is the fact that I kind of run and I kind of run my life loud and hard and I keep going and there's this beast of busyness that kind of creeps into our lives. And then I was reading Psalms or Isaiah where it says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, like eagles. They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary. And man, I love the end of that verse. I'm all about running. Actually, I hate running, but I love to run. Now, there is a difference, okay? Let me explain the difference. I love to be busy about doing things. I love to work on either my house, on ministry, on my marriage, on, with my children. I'm just like, go, go, go. But when it comes to running, I hate runners. And if you're a runner, well, I don't mean I hate runnings. I hate running, okay? But if you enjoy running, I don't get you. I don't get how you can run for fun. I, I just don't get it. I know it's good cardio and all that. I do CrossFit. I get plenty of cardio, so I don't need that. But what I'm saying is that people that just always running, I'm just not into the running, but I've noticed my life is constantly running. But here's the thing about Isaiah. He said, hey, you can run and not get weary if you've rested. But here's what I've noticed about our pace of life. We're always running and we're never resting. And when you operate at that pace constantly, we find that our soul doesn't go away. It goes awry. It just goes crazy. And so we're stepping back and we're saying, wait a minute, how am I taking care of my soul? How am I finding that time? How am I, how am I doing? See, I notice about myself that I like to run and I don't like to rest, but I need that. And I notice about my own life. If I constantly keep going at warp speed, I notice that I start to warp my soul. When you constantly just keep operating at that level. And some of us, we're constantly going. You, you live in the Silicon Valley, so it's all about projecting the image. It's always about that virtual person. And we rarely take time for the visual person. Man, online, you've got to have the perfect profile. Everything's got to be great. I mean, if you want views, you want clicks, you want likes, you want to get the heart, you want comments, man, it's all about the virtual, isn't it? But then we're more than a virtual 
we're a visual. We're a real soul. We're a real human. And what can happen is we put so much emphasis on the exterior, we forget the interior. We forget what God is doing deep down inside at the soul level. So let me ask you a question. How is your soul doing? How is it really going internally? Is your soul doing well this morning? Here is Ecclesiastes. He's going to write, and this is probably my favorite chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter number three. I've taught on it several times, but I keep coming back to just so much. There's so much new and richness about this. And really, he starts talking about the seasons. And I think that when it comes to our soul, there are seasons of the soul. There are seasons when your soul is going to go through a storm. There are seasons when your soul is going to go through significance. There's all kinds of seasons for the soul. And he lays it out. And let's begin reading, if we can. Ecclesiastes chapter number three, verse number one. The Bible says this. To everything, there is a season. To everything. To your soul, there's a season. Your soul has seasons. Different seasons. You may be in a season of rest. And you've been there a couple years, and maybe it's time to get off the bench, and it's time to get involved. Or maybe you're in a season of running, and it's time to rest. And it's knowing the season that you're in. It's knowing the season that God has called us into. He says, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors. I have seen the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has set eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we be in our service. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We pray right now that our hearts would kind of zero in on your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have free reign, that you'd be able to work. I pray that you would do a great work in us and through us. I pray that your word would speak to us this morning. I pray that your word would do a work that I can't. And we look forward to seeing what great things you're going to do. And Father, we pray for game five, that the warriors will defeat the Cavaliers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you think that's so cute that he does that. He's so cute when he prays that little prayer. I'm serious. In the Bible, my God says, pray, let every request be made known. And so I just pray about everything. I don't know about you. Maybe if you just started praying more, you might see more answers to prayers. But that's okay. It's good to be here. It's good to be in church where we can have a little fun. You know, some days we're the windshield and some days we're the fly that gets hit by the windshield. There are seasons like that, isn't it? Just seasons where things are going well and there are seasons where things are not going well. There are seasons when you just get something done and all of a sudden it's undone. Many a uh, mother or a wife in this room, you know, as soon as I pick up the room, as soon as I have do a load of laundry, I turn around and guess what? I got to start the whole process over again. And it kind of seems like it's this never-ending cycle. It kind of seems like I never get to rest. I'm never fully done. And such is it with the soul. We're always in these seasons. As soon as something is done, something is undone. And what happens is we can find a certain season and we just want to stay there. 
You say, what do you mean? We pick a good season, the job's going well, the relationship's going well, and it just kind of seems like, this is a season I just want to stay and camp right here. I don't want to move to a different season. See, what happens with the seasons, we want to stay in a certain season. We don't want to move on. Matter of fact, we want to select and stay. Some of us, we wish we could go back and relive a season. Some of us, we wish that we could kind of keep a certain season. We call it the honeymoon phase, right? Oh man, it's just, I got the new job. You're in the honeymoon phase. Oh, I just started a new relationship, honeymoon phase. And you just have that season. You're like, I just want to stay in that season. We want to select and stay. And when it comes to seasons, we like picking seasons. We like to see that, oh man, there's a time to harvest and all these good things. But he even says that, hey, there's, there's a time to die. I remember when my kids were born, it's Austin's birthday. I remember when he was born. And I remember the time, I remember being there, partly. I don't handle blood or needles too well. So that kind of, half of it, I kind of passed out a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. It was just one of those things where, you know, I don't do super well in those situations. Uh, When I saw that epidural, I was just like, are you kidding me? That's going to go through her, not just help her. You know, that's a big old needle and they have this like gun thing and they have this little briefcase and the guy kind of walks in he's all happy when he walks in you know and uh, he's gonna he's gonna shoot my wife in the back with this needle I was like you gotta be kidding me I'm so glad that's you and not me but don't say that think it but don't say it out loud that's not gonna go well for somebody who's about to give birth to your child okay um their grip is really strong at that when they got all those drugs and everything those hormones are pumping and so i uh, you could take that and it's we'll wait and um it's uh but when it comes to comes to these seasons we we have this these moments i remember when austin was born and i remember when he took his first breath that was a wonderful season but in that same hospital someone else took their last breath Life is cyclical. Life has seasons. Your soul has seasons. And what often happens is we're not discerning what season my soul is in. And so when it comes to the seasons, we need to realize what season we're in. We need to step back and say, what season is this? This is the summer season right now. Now, typically through the rest of the country, uh, you wouldn't be able to do what we can do in California. In California, you can pretty much plant any time of the year. You want to plant something, you pretty much can. Now, there are certain things forbidding, you know, certain flowers aren't going to grow, certain fruit trees may not grow. But for the most part, if you want to plant grass, you can plant the grass any time of the year. You want a tree or certain thing to grow, you can pretty much plant it any time of the year. But the rest of the country, they have normal seasons. See, we pay for this primo weather that we get. We pay a real premium for it, okay? So we're getting what we pay for, this bipolar weather. Some of you were like, oh, it's beautiful. You walked outside to tank top. You're like, it's freezing. What is wrong? You know, you go back in and I was at a graduation on Friday. I was all excited about this graduation. I showed up and it poured down rain, you know? And I saw this lady. She took her gift bag, took the gift out of it. And then she put the bag over her head. I was like, you go, girl. You are awesome. And then when she turned around, it had a, a cellophane, a clear cellophane heart so you could see her. So she was just like, uh, you know, I was just like, I really wanted to take a picture of it and show it to you guys. I'm just that weird of a person. I really wanted to, but I was like, I shouldn't, but I really wanted to. And then it might be one of your relatives. And so that would just be all bad. So I didn't, I didn't, but I wanted to. So I'm just telling you about it. So it's realizing the season that we're in. So you need to realize what season you're in. What season is your relationship in? What season is your job in? But more importantly, what season is your soul in? 
You may be coming out of a season where you just had a lot of time where it seems like, man, God and I, we're close, and I just feel that my soul is doing well, and I feel like things are going really well right now in my soul. Or maybe you're coming in a season where you're like, I can see in the future that I'm going to be going through some big struggles. So I'm going to invest a little extra into my soul. I want to take care of my soul right now. What season? And oftentimes we're oblivious to the season. You're like me. You've got one mode and it's just go, go, go. We used to have these lawnmowers and on the lawnmower, it would have the turtle and it would have the rabbit. And then you would just kind of pick the speed. And man, for me, it's always the rabbit. That's the speed. I'm always just right there. I don't have a slow down. It's just go, go, go. And I'm always in a hurry. And I remember when I first started dating my wife, Jane, I would be talking and walking with her and I'd look over and she'd be gone. I was thinking, that no good woman. And uh, I can say that she's not here. She was in the early service. And I look back, she's way back 10 yards behind me. Why? What happened? Because I was walking too fast. She was like, "Why you, you left me. And I said, I, I didn't even realize. I'm just going, just speed. So I've had to learn to slow down. Our souls can do the same thing. We can be in such a hurry, such a hurry to say, all right, I scheduled a half hour for my devotion, so God, you better speak to me in this half hour. And then we're expecting God to work, and instead of saying, God, I've got time. What do you want to say? I even notice I do it on Sunday mornings, right? Sunday, it's church, but man, you better be done by 12.15. I got a reservation at Chili's. I got to make it. You know, and uh, all of a sudden, or it's, I got to get to the football game or I've got to get to this party. And instead of saying, God, I have time for you. It's no, I, I really don't. God, you've got to make it in my schedule. You've got to, you've got to operate in this little box. And instead of realizing that, God, I want you to work. So you need to realize, but then sometimes you need to create what I call a sacred space. There needs to be repair done in our soul. Maybe you come through a traumatic season and sometimes we think we're Okay. It's like when you break a bone, you don't really feel anything. It just, like, you know it's broken, but there's these chemicals your body releases to kind of numb the pain, and you're like, oh, I'm fine. I remember breaking my left arm. I didn't even know I had broken it until they did the x-ray. I was like, man, just not working quite right, you know? And uh, something's wrong. They were like, yeah, you broke your arm. I was like, okay. And so it can happen where we need to take a season to create that space. We can do this repair work. The psalmist, he wrote extensively in this, in the shepherd psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's the psalmist, he's talking about that there is a satisfaction, this deep-rooted satisfaction to our soul. And some of us, we think that our soul is craving a new outfit, our soul is craving a relationship, or we think our soul is clothing finances or position, but our soul is craving something much deeper because we said our soul is literally the borrowed breath of God. It's the eternal part about us that is truly craving God. And here he is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want anything. He's the shepherd. He's taking care of me. He's taking care of the sheep. Verse two, he said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Once again, it's not natural for us to always rest, isn't it? In the Silicon Valley, it's go, go, go. And so the Bible says that the shepherd had to make the sheep lie down. And sometimes God is saying, hey, you need to take a season of rest. I'm going to make you rest. But then he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. Sometimes just the picture of that in your mind just sounds relaxing, doesn't it? So let me ask you this question. What is your green pastures? It could be the mall where you just go and it's just kind of therapeutic to be around crowds of people and spend a bunch of money. I don't know. Retail therapy. Or it could be the golf course. It could be a walk by the beach. What is that green pasture for you? It could be just extra time with a cup of coffee in the Bible. It could be a conversation with a close friend. 
What is that green pasture for you? Because oftentimes I ask this question to people and I say, where do you go? Where's that sacred space for you? My wife used to laugh at me because in my backyard, I kind of, uh, we bought a house that just had, a, it came with a really nice backyard and there's this bunch of rocks on one side of the house, kind of secluded, and there's this peach tree above it. It's just kind of a pretty scene. The sun will rise and I would sit out there and, and then I'd be doing just my devotions, a cup of coffee, and it was just like such a great Instagram moment, you know, you kind of get wrapped up into it and everything and I was doing that and then finally I think God smote me one day because I came in early and James was like, why'd you come in so early? I was like, man, peaches started falling on my head and I I was like, I think God was telling me something, go find a new spot. But it's like, where is that green pasture? Where's that space for you? Where's that place where it's you and God can really connect at a soul level? I find it hard to connect with my spouse when the kids are constantly interrupting. So we have to call or do a date night to get away so we can just have that time together. What about you and the Lord? What about you and your soul? What are you doing where that green pasture, where you can find that shelter for your soul? The Bible says he leads me beside still waters or calm waters. That's that solitude. It's been said, if you don't come apart for a while, in a while, you will come apart. Ever met that person that just kind of went crazy and you're just like, what happened? I, I don't know. Just, just something just blew up. It's because for so long, they've been running on empty. How many of you, you're this type of person? You want to see how far your car can go without putting gas in the tank. I mean, you like to live on the wild side. Yeah, I knew there's a couple of you in here. You're like, it's been two days since I got gas. I'm going to go a third. I'm the type that, man, I used to do that. And then I ran out of gas two days in a row and I knew I had to change. I was like, this, this can't keep going. Two days in a row. This is embarrassing, you know? So then it turned into locking my keys in my car. This is before the days of me getting AAA, and so that was my new thing. But even today, even if you get a Tesla, even a Tesla will run out. I don't care what kind of car you have, and it's got a little meter that says, hey, you're running on empty. You know, your soul will tell you you're running on empty. When you snap back at somebody, you're short-tempered. You don't have a lot of margin. It doesn't seem like God's speaking to you. It doesn't seem like you're very joyful or things that used to satisfy no longer satisfy. What's happening? Your soul is telling you, warning, yellow, you're running on empty, low on fuel. You need to feed your soul. Your soul is starving. And there's these seasons of the soul. And how well are you taking care of your soul? What season is your soul in? God wants you to rest. The Bible says in the shepherd's psalm, he says, he restores my soul. God wants it to be restored. There's another passage that says, though the outward man perishes, means the outward man, though he's wasting away, we're growing older. And God says, though that outward man is growing older, not stronger, he says, yet the inward man, that inside you, the deep you, is strengthened day by day. God wants you to be getting stronger in your core, in that, that innermost part of your being. That's why life is lived from the inside out. True spirituality, true strength in God is not necessarily found in what you do on Sunday, but it's what you find when you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, where you say, I'm going to make time for God, and God's going to speak to me and mentor me and mold me into who he wants me to be. But so many times we don't have that place, that shelter for our soul. Where's that spot for you? And I know it's tough. I, I've told you this series, I feel like it's very insider language, but I'm really trying to strengthen our core church because I believe that as our core church, as we go deeper into doing soul care and our own soul work, we will be a better church. We will be a more loving church because here's what I know about you. You long to give, you long to serve, you long to help, but you can't do it when you're running on empty. You can't. You can't do it. 
All the young moms in here, you know, man, you're up all night taking care of a baby, and you try to get up and serve your, the rest of your family, you try to take care of yourself, and it just, you can't do it. Why? Because you're just running on empty. And yet, even the same for a Christ follower. We're supposed to be loving the world, loving others. But when we have not received and taken in any love, we can't give what we don't have. And some of us, we're wondering why our relationships are going sour around us. And it's because we haven't fed our own soul. And so we've got to make a priority of this. We've got to put it in our schedule. Let's get practical about it. Where we say, you know what? I'm going to meet with the Lord. This is one of the things that I love about the Psalms. The Psalms, all over it, you see this soul language keep coming up where David said, he restores my soul. He said, my soul is at rest. Over and over, David talked about his soul and how he took care of his soul. His son, sadly, didn't take his advice. You see, your soul, you're constantly under construction. It's constantly work under work. Billy Graham is still alive, but his wife passed away in 2007. And she had something really interesting etched on her tombstone. When she was laid to rest, instead of having some great quote, instead of talking about all the things that she did, she simply had one little thing put on her tombstone. If you were to go to her tombstone, it would simply say, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. She realized that her entire life, she was building a healthy soul. She was building a healthy life. And she realized, I'm finished. You see, the rest of your life, what are you building? What type of a soul are you investing into? And I know it's one of those things we can just kind of neglect, right? I've said it. There are two ways to direct your life. You can either, like a car, drive into a wall and destroy it, or you can destroy your life through neglect. Just don't change the oil. Just don't, don't do the normal maintenance things. You could destroy it. The same is true of your life. If you're not tending to it daily, it's going to go and it's going to destroy. It's on a self-destruct mission. So how are you feeding yourself? How are you taking care of yourself? And I know we think it's all about the right season. Remember, this was all about last week. Last week, we said, what's the antidote to anxiety? We thought, man, if all the circumstances are good, then I'm going to be happy. Solomon had all the right circumstances and he wasn't happy. You can look at all the Hollywood actors. You can look at all the people that they have, quote unquote, made it. They haven't found satisfaction. They haven't found joy. So Solomon, he's coming back to, it's not about circumstances. He's saying, hey, in every season, and you're looking for that perfect season, and you and I, we're both like, man, if I just had the right season, everything would be going well. But here's what you need to understand. Number two, please write this down. Every season has an opportunity, and it has an obstacle. Every season. Every season has an opportunity, and every season has an obstacle. There may be a season where you're thinking, man, this is a rough season. This is a difficult season. But God is going to show you that there's opportunities even in the obstacles, even in what you foresee as a difficult season. Even as you look around, you say, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. God is going to show you that this is going to be a great season for you because God is doing a work. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament. He was a slave for 17 years. But as you study the life of Joseph, it's no accident that God allowed Joseph to be in Potiphar's house. You say, why? Because Potiphar was the chief military tactician in Egypt. One day, Joseph's going to be the second command over Egypt. Isn't it a good thing he got to work with the guy who was over the military? And then he got sent to prison. But what prison did Joseph go to? Was it any old dank prison in Egypt? No. It was a political refugee prison. So where are you going to learn politics in Egypt? What better place than prison? So God is not 
keeping you out of sight. He's actually developing you. He's not trying to get you to disappear. He's not trying to discourage you. He's trying to develop your life. So if you're in a season right now and you think, man, I'm single. I can't stand being single. I just need a girl. I just need a guy. And then I'll be happy. God is saying, wait a minute. This is a great season to do certain things that you would never get to do otherwise. If you're saying, man, this is a season where I'm not necessarily in the right career that I want. God is saying, hey, look for the opportunities even in the midst of this obstacles. See what God can do in a great way. Instead of wishing, man, if I was just in that season, then I'd really do something. Because I see a lot of of Christians, man, they just say, oh, pastor, if I just made more, then I would give. If I just had more time, then I would serve. Here's what I know. The people that are giving and serving, it's not because they have a lot of extra funds or time. It's they've just learned how to manage it. Did you know the wealthiest, most successful people have all the same things you do? You say, what do you mean? They have the same 24 hours you do. Exact same. They didn't get 25. Bill Gates doesn't get 26. Oh, that Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't get 27. He gets the exact same amount that you do. How are we stewarding it? What are we doing with the moments that God has given us? But I find that we constantly make excuses, and I'm guilty here of making the excuses, thinking, God, if I just had a building, or if I just had this, or if, man, we could really do something. And God is saying, wait a minute, what are you doing in the season that I've given you? Because this season is not meant to, 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 to get you to uh, wish for somebody else's season. Because here's what I've noticed. I'll look at somebody else and be like, man, if I could have a marriage like theirs. Or if I could just have a job like theirs. Here's what I've noticed about people. We want your fruit, but we don't want your fight. We want the good, but we don't want the grind. We don't want to go through what you had to go through to get what you had to get. But here's what I know is that when we go through the process, then God does some incredible things. As we say, God, I'm in this season and it's not the season that I would have picked. I wouldn't have selected it, but I'm in it. And so God, help me to see the opportunities. Help me to see what you're doing in this season. There's a passage of scripture in the Old New Testament. There's a woman by the name of Martha and there's a sister by the name of Mary. And there are two sisters, they're in the house and they invite Jesus over for lunch or dinner. Scripture doesn't tell us, but Jesus was coming over to eat. And the Bible says that Martha, she's a great cook and she's whipping up a storm. And she's like some of you ladies, she gets in the kitchen and that's kind of her love language, just serving people and making food. And all of a sudden she gets a little bit upset because she reaches over to go and ask Mary for some help and Mary's not around. And she starts looking around, where is Mary? I'm trying to cook for Jesus. And she goes and she sees Mary, Mary sitting down on the floor, reclining, listening to Jesus. And all of a sudden, what does Martha do? She barges in the room and says, Jesus, man, please, I'm getting food ready. Can you tell my sister Mary that she needs to help? And then what does Jesus do? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about so many things, but Mary has chosen the best thing. Now, let me tell you this, husbands, if your wives tell you while you're watching the game to come and help them, don't look at them and say, Jane, Jane, you're troubled about many things. Only Jesus can get away with that, okay? We're not Jesus. We don't get away with it, okay? So we got to get up off the couch, take out the trash, rock the baby. You do whatever they say. All right, happy wife, happy life, okay? But Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus can do that kind of stuff, okay? We're not Jesus. We don't get to. But Jesus tells Martha, guess what? It's okay. He's chosen the best thing. Here's often what I find. Many times we as Christians, we miss out on what God wants us to experience because of our expectation. Our expectation is in the way of what we want to experience. God is saying, I want you to experience me. 
You see, I'm wound really tight. I'm wound really uptight, but God wants us to get up close. If we're always in a hurry, when can we ever hang out? If your life is always go, where is there room for God? And that's kind of the pace that we live in. And I'm worried, church, that guess what? Just like when you're around some friends, they influence you to do some bad things. I'm worried that I might influence my church to pick up some of my bad habits of constantly go, go, go. But we need to have a culture that says, yes, man, when it comes time to take the hill, when it comes time to reach out, when it comes time to love on our community, to love the lost and to reach out to them, we do it. But then also there's times where we say, you know what? It's a season of rest. In scripture times, they would call it, it's a season where you sow. We put the seed in the ground. And all of a sudden, you say, okay, I'm just going to tend the ground. I'm going to tend the garden. I'm just going to pull the weeds. I'm going to make sure the, the rows are straight. And, and I'm going to get ready for the harvest. And when the harvest comes, I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to be ready to reap that harvest. Here's one thing in the Midwest. If any of you grew up in the Midwest, you know that as soon as the harvest is ready, you're on that harvest. You can't wait because there could be a storm. There could be a tornado. Anything could wipe out that harvest. And guess what? You live for the harvest. And at any moment, you've got to keep going. So I know people that if they're combined, these giant tractors, they break down, something happens, man, they get out there soon as fast as they can and they try to get the harvest in. Why? Because if they lose the harvest, they lose their livelihood. So there's an urgency about the harvest. So when it comes time, to run, we need to be ready to run. What often find, times I find is that too often we as a church, we just want to get in the rest. Oh, we just want to worship Jesus. Man, everybody's all for worship, but then what about the servants? What about, some, it's easy to kind of look at Martha as the bad person, but really, there needs to be a balance of the two. There needs to be a balance of the people that are serving and the people that are also sitting, and there needs to be that balance. So what season are you in? Because every season has an opportunity and an obstacle. So don't let what you expected keep you from what God wants you to experience. God wants you to draw close him. He wants to do something in your life. And then lastly, would you notice this? In every season, there's a connection between the suddenly and the somehow. The Bible says that, verse number 11, he has made everything beautiful in his time. I know, immediately we read that verse, and you're like, man, if you knew, Micaiah, what I've been through, you wouldn't say that. If you knew how I've been hurt, if you knew what people have done to me, If you knew how I've been treated, no, I can't take that verse. In everything, God is saying he's made it beautiful in everything. There's a passage mentioned three times in the gospels. It's mentioned in John chapter number six, Mark 10, and Matthew 14. It's the passage where Jesus has just fed 5,000 men. Some say the crowd was up to 20,000 people. Jesus is at the highlight of his ministry. And at the high point of his ministry, at that point, Jesus, he goes. And what does Jesus do? He says, I need to withdraw. I need to get alone. He gets alone. And he tells his disciples to meet him. His disciples, they get in the boat. And the Bible says that suddenly a storm came on the Sea of Galilee. They were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And all of a sudden, man, a storm comes suddenly. And doesn't it seem like that in life? You're saying, I'm just obeying God. And all of a sudden, I lose my job. And all of a sudden, my child gets sick. And all of a sudden, my car breaks down. And all of a sudden, it seems like I'm going through depression. All of a sudden, it seems like I'm going through anxiety. All of a sudden, everything's coming down all at once. Really? That's what happens to disciples. And maybe you're in a situation where all of a sudden, man, your soul is doing well, but in one moment, everything flips, everything turns. And you're looking at this suddenly, and then you're asking your question, yourself the question, somehow this has got to work out, right? Somehow? Somehow the marriage has got to make it. Somehow I've got to provide for the kids. 
Somehow I've got to pay the bills. Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow. And I want to see that there's a connection. You say, what do you mean the connection? The Bible says that he has made. Oftentimes we think it's up to us to make it. You see, I used to live in this, this, this phase where if it's going to be, it's up to me. Where I've got to make it happen. That's why I was all, I'm always in this run mode. Or if the church is going to grow, it's up to me. Or if my marriage is going to make it, it's up to me. If my children are going to turn out, it's up to me. Now, I'm not saying that I'm delegating my responsibilities. But I read Psalms 127 verse 1. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Or they labor and it's empty, it's pointless. Except God does it. And then I studied the word house. Do you know what the word house means? It doesn't mean your address, where you live. That's not what it's talking about. Some people say, well, it's talking about the temple, the church. That's not what it means. It's a general term. So it literally could mean your family. It could mean your marriage. It could mean the church. It could mean your job. It could mean any number of things. What God is trying to get us to see in Psalms 127 verse 1 is that without God, it's impossible. Your marriage is not just hard, it's impossible without God. Your career is not just hard, it's impossible without God. Building a church is not just hard, it's impossible without God. God is tired of us going through life thinking we can actually do this. He wants us to get to the point where we say, you know what, I really can't. And God, I'm throwing myself on your dependence. God, these children, I want them to turn out, but I'm going to do everything I can, but ultimately, you need to help me. Ultimately, God, you've got to come through. And God says, that's when he makes it beautiful. He has made everything beautiful in his time. God is doing it. So there's this connection, this connection. And all of a sudden, if you read John chapter number six, I love verse 21. John 6, 21 says this. After the disciples, they're afraid and they see Jesus. They're crossing the sea to get to Jesus. And they see Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was going to pass by them walking on the water. And I know it seems crazy, right? Jesus walking on the water. Just, just, just crazy. And the disciples, they think originally he's a ghost. They're like, this is a spirit or something. And then Jesus says, it's me, don't be afraid. And they're like, you're walking on water. This is incredible. And Jesus was just going to pass by them. They're terrified. There's a storm. And Jesus eventually does get in the boat. But in John 6, 21, they said, we're in the middle of the storm. It came, it surprised us. And sometimes things like that just catch us off guard. You weren't even expecting for that to happen to your family. You weren't expecting it to happen to your career and it just caught you off guard. It surprised you. And you're thinking, man, how is God going to do this? But in John 6, 21, the Bible says, as soon as Jesus got in the boat, suddenly they were at the shore. The verse prior, they're in the middle of the lake. And all of a sudden, a verse later, suddenly they're at the shore. You say, how could that happen? Well, if Jesus can walk on water, I'm pretty sure he can make that boat get to land. (laughs) Just a thought. So God can take your season that you think is all filled with obstacles and suddenly he can turn it around. He can take your relationship and suddenly just fix it. God can do things in an instant. But we in the church, we're used to just normal. Normal meaning we just struggle. But then we forget what the gospel says. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is trying to show himself strong. He's trying to show himself big and mighty on your behalf. And he is the connection to all of it. But so many times, we don't yield to God. You're like me, a classic fixer. I watched a Disney movie one time called Wreck-It Ralph. I highly recommend it. If uh, you cried in Old Yellow, you'll probably cry in Wreck-It Ralph. It's pretty emotional. 
But my favorite part is this guy by the name of Fix-It Felix, because I tend to be a fixer. And that's not always a good thing. Matter of fact, most of the time, it's really not a good thing. It really isn't. My wife comes home. She's all distraught about something. I'll fix it. I'll show them. Give me your phone. I'll text them. I'll fix this. No, don't do that. Never text your wife's friends for them to fix the situation. It doesn't go well. It never does. And so, you know, you're just in this fixing mode. But in the movie, Fix and Felix is in jail. And all of a sudden, he pulls out his little hammer that can fix anything. And he said, I'm going to break out of these jail bars. And he, and he starts hammering the jail bars. And they only get bigger and thicker. He only made his problem worse. And that's what you and I kind of do. We're like, I want to fix this situation. I don't necessarily need God. I know you exist. Thanks for your help. Maybe I'll give you a rain check sometime. But I'll fix this one. Because we think God only fixes the big problems. And we only relegate the big problems to God. But God is like, no, no, no. Your soul, that core of who you are, I want to take care of that. That's core. It's foundational to what God wants to do in you and through you. So this morning, how are you navigating the seasons of your soul? Is there so much noise that you really can't even discern where your soul is? Sometimes I find that our cars are making all these noises. They're racking and things are knocking and things are going wrong, but we can't hear it because we got the radio all the way cranked up. And people buy us, they see what's going on. They hear what's going on. You pull into the garage, your wife's like, what's wrong with your car? Nothing wrong with my car. I don't know what's wrong with your car, but my car is fine. Oh, no, no, no. Something was knocking and racking. It was something was going on. We got so much noise, we couldn't hear it. I think sometimes we're afraid to get alone with our soul because we actually know something's wrong. We just don't want to go actually get it checked out. It's like we know going to the doctor, we really should get this checked out, but we're more nervous about the results. And so we'll keep going with the symptoms, even though they're limiting us, even though they're hindering what's going on. I had a faucet in my house, and uh, this is where you'll see my fixing abilities are really poor. And uh, the hot water on it was just like a drip. It was nothing. And I was like, man, this is really annoying. It was a new faucet I put in and everything. I was like, man, what is wrong with this faucet? And I just accepted we don't have hot water in this, in this, this, uh, the guest bathroom. And so typically my wife's using the master bathroom. So I just relegate myself to the guest bathroom. It's typically what I do, you know? And, uh, so, so typically I would shave and for, you know, a year or so, I just in cold water. It's no big deal. It's just cold water, you know, shave and do all that and stuff. And, and it's just cold water. And then my father-in-law came over this year. And Jane was like, hey, can you fix the, uh, the, the hot water thing? Because my father-in-law is an engineer. And he's good at that kind of stuff. And he actually knows what tools do what. And he knows the difference between a Phillips screwdriver and a regular screwdriver. I didn't know this. There's, there's a difference. I just said one's got a different point at the end. And, uh, and so he's like, no, no, no. Last year when I was here, it was too hot. So I turned it off. For a year... I dealt with no hot water, and all he had done, he had just turned it off at the water heater, or not the water heater, at the little thing underneath the sink. I was like, are you kidding me? I hate you, but I love your daughter. You, not so much, but your daughter's great. You've caused me a year of pain and suffering. And it's these little things, isn't it? Little things. And we think, no, God, I don't want to bother you for the little things. But you know what I've noticed as a parent? I want my kids to bother me about stuff. I want them to come to me and say, hey, I need my dad. All of a sudden, when I hear that, you need your dad? It's like Superman shirt. It's like, what do you need? 
well, I just need to build this Lego. I am there. We'll build Legos. Yes. I need you to wear this Barbie dress. No. Ask your mom. Not happening. Superman shirt and cape is off. It's not my role. But you want this need. There's this part of us. And so you this morning, if you're sitting there and you've got this burden, you're, you're overwhelmed, your soul is literally sinking and drowning. God is saying, cast all your burdens on me and I'll sustain you. Let's all stand.